All right, well this morning I wanna jump into discovering Christ, the resurrection and the life. The resurrection and the life. I wanna talk to you about eternal life today. How many of you are excited about eternal life today? Amen. It's a great benefit and motivator in the kingdom. Go ahead and open up your Bibles, if you would please, to the book of John chapter 11. We're gonna start there, the book of John chapter 11. If you don't have a Bible, we provide Bibles for you on our side tables, in the middle table. We have notebooks for you. We believe in taking notes today. You're going to want to write down these verses. I have about 30 verses I'm going to share with you today because I want you to hear from God, not from Kevin Kringle today. Is that okay? This is where your life is anchored. This is why you commit yourself to this cause, and eternal life is a huge part of this. In John chapter 11, the book of John chapter 11, we see Jesus going to the death of his friend, Lazarus. And so he comes in, everyone's grieving, everyone's crying, because Lazarus, who's one of Jesus' friends, has passed away. And he steps in, and Lazarus' sisters are upset that Jesus took so long to get there. And in this conversation, Jesus begins to talk to them. And in uh, verse 21, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. In verse 22, but even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Verse 24, yes, Martha said, he will rise when everyone else rises in the last day. And Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she told him. I've always believed you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who has come from God into the world. It's important today for us to go and have this conversation about eternal life. And I love what Jesus says here. Anyone who believes in me will never, actually the New Living says, will never ever die. <laughs> you know, when we die physically, do you know that you don't actually die? Your body falls off. You are a spirit. Can I get an amen? amen? You're eternal. And so your earth suit falls off, but you keep going. Amen. Many of us have had loved ones who've passed away. Some of us, the Bible says, and I'll get into this in a second, have been afraid of death. And it's, it's, it's kind of tormented you throughout your life. This conversation about eternity, this conversation about a resurrection is one of our distinctives. Even this week while I was preparing for this message, it really blessed me how many places throughout Scripture God wants to assure you of what's going to happen after you die, where your loved ones go, and the fact that if they're in the Lord, we will be reunited with them. Can I hear an amen on that? This life is not all there is. And when you die, come on now, you don't just turn into some cosmic energy. You stay you and you go on into eternity. A little different because you're a whole lot better, but you're you. Your experiences, who you are, what you've learned, and these things go on into eternity. Amen. And so there's this blessed hope conversation that we get to have rather than one of fear, torment, worry. That's why I want to bring you peace today 
discovering Christ, the resurrection, and the life. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 and 15 talks about that fear of death. Because God, the Bible says, because God's children are human beings, made of flesh and blood, the Son, talking about Jesus, also became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could he die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had, past tense, had the power of death. Only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. You know, that fear of dying has a torment to it. I don't know if you've ever laid in bed at night with those crazy thoughts of what's going to happen when I die or what's going to feel like or is there anything out there on the other side? You know what's so wonderful about Christianity is the fact that we don't just guess about the other side of eternity. We have an eyewitness testimony of someone who's come through death, hell, and the grave and came back and said, this is, this is what's going to be like. Isn't that awesome? This isn't theory for us in Christ. Amen. And I want to give you that kind of assurance today. The Bible wants to give you that kind of assurance so that if you are one of those that have a tormenting fear of death as of today, you will never have to fear death again. Amen. You will never have to just want to stay alive because you're afraid of death. You want to stay alive because you have purpose, you have mission, you have things to do, but not because you're afraid of dying. Are you understanding this? There's a different motivator. John chapter 14, verses 1 through 3. Jesus speaking. Jesus says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will receive you to myself, that where I am, you may be there also, the Lord says, don't be afraid. You believe in God, believe also in me. Don't let your heart be in torment. I am going to prepare a place. I love that. A real place. Not some mystery, not some dreamy thing, not some cosmic thing. He's gone to prepare a place. And then he's coming to bring us back to be with him for eternity in a real place. Say real place real place, more real than this place. Amen? Amen. Romans chapter 6, verses 4 and 5. For we died and we were buried with Christ in baptism, but just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Since we have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was raised to life. Can you hear the assurance in these verses? Can you hear the confidence in these verses? And you hear the Apostle Paul in preaching these verses trying to establish something in people. Look, this world is not all there is. There is another life. There is an eternity after this life. And you can have assurance that he's paid the price and you're forgiven and you're in him. He's conquered death. You've conquered death. You don't have to walk through this life the way everyone else walks through this life, wondering, fearful running from the end, because that's not your end. Somebody say amen. That is not your end. Sometimes people, they, they freak out because they're like, I only have this much time. Listen, my friend, you've got all eternity, praise God. You're not running out of time. You're running out of time on this side of eternity, but eternity keeps going. Praise God for that. Amen. 
That's what I'm saying. Like sometimes people think, oh man, if I only would have given my life to Jesus when I was in my 20s and maybe they're in their 70s. My friend, first of all, God can do an, a lot with you in the, the last season of someone's life than even if you miss the first 50 years of your life. You understand what I'm saying? But I also want to say this, that that last season, whatever it is, 20 years, 30 years, it keeps going into eternity. You see what I'm saying? So God doesn't look at you like, oh, he's only giving me 10 years. No, he can do a ton in that 10 years, but then that goes into a forever eternity. Isn't that awesome? Open your Bibles, if you would please, to the book of Corinthians chapter 15. Corinthians chapter 15. This discussion on eternity and on the resurrection and all these things, this is a big deal. We'll find here in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, let's talk about verse 12, the resurrection of the dead. Paul the apostle begins to write, he says, since we preach that Christ rose from the dead, why are some of you saying there will be no resurrection of the dead? For if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised either. If Christ has not been raised, then all our preaching is useless and your faith is useless. See, the Bible hangs a lot on this concept of eternity, on this concept of resurrection. All the sacrifice that God asks you to make, all the commitment to him, all the times you've chosen to do right instead of wrong, you've chosen to live for Christ instead of for yourself, if Christ isn't raised from the dead, then we're all still lost in our sin. We're all still dying. We're all still having an end, you know, in, the, in a lost eternity. This thing of the resurrection of the dead is a big deal to Christianity. It's a big deal to God that you grab a hold of this, that every choice you've made for Jesus, every sacrifice, every commitment goes on into eternity. It is worth it. Amen. We apostles would all be lying about God, for we have said that God raised Christ from the dead. But that cannot be true if there is no resurrection of the dead. And if there's no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless and you are still guilty of your sins. Verse 20. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first of a great harvest of all who have died. So you see, just as death came into the world through a man, talking about Adam, now the resurrection from the dead has begun through another man, talking about Jesus. Everyone who belongs to Christ will be given new life. Come on. Jump down to verse 30. This is where it talks about the sacrifice. Why should we put ourselves at, risks, at risk and live our lives hour by hour if there wasn't a resurrection, he's saying. For I swear, dear brothers and sisters, that we face death daily. You think about our missionaries and they're putting their life on the line or they put their family on hold and go to a country to where everything is at risk. Why would they do that if there was no resurrection of the dead? Are you understanding this? Your mission sacrifice where you take portions of your finances to send this gospel around the world, it's because you believe in eternal life. It's because you believe in the resurrection of the dead. Are you understanding? This is why we build churches. This is why we gather. We don't just gather so you can be moral people and good people. Part of why we gather is because we believe in eternity. We believe in the resurrection of the dead. Amen. 
and we're trying to save and rescue as many people as possible so that when they die, they can have resurrection life, eternal life. This is a real issue. This is a big deal. So why would we face death daily? And if there is, if you go down a little bit in verse 32, and if there's no resurrection of the dead, let's just feast and drink for tomorrow. We're just going to die. See, that's where people, you know, they're like, you just, when you die, you just turn into matter. You just turn into this cosmic force or energy. There's no accountability either, right? Because there's nothing coming after you die. But when you know there's something coming and you know there's eternity to live for, then all those choices make sense. All, those all that time in prayer, all that time in sharing Jesus, all that time in living for God, it all is worth it and it all makes sense. Don't be fooled by those who say such things, for bad company corrupts good character. Think carefully about what is right. Stop sinning. How will the dead be raised? The Bible goes on to ask in verse 35. How will the dead be raised? What kinds of bodies are they going to have? Verse 38 says that God will give you a new body, but kind he wants you to have. Come on, somebody. How many of you are like, I'd like a full head of hair. Come on, Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah. I would like a six-pack. Matter of fact, let's just make it an eight-pack. Come on, Lord. Give me abs in Jesus' name. Look, the kind of body he wants you to have, an immortal one. On this side of eternity, death, I talked about this last week, we weren't designed to sin, we weren't designed to die, we weren't designed to get sick. But when sin came in, when Adam came in and sinned, it ruined this side of eternity. Does that make sense? It ruined this side of God's creation. When God made it, he said it was good, but he gave man free will and man chose to rebel against God. So now death, what death does on this side of eternity is it releases us from this broken system, this corrupt realm. See, if you live forever now, if you live forever, we would live forever in a fallen system, in a fallen world. Are you understanding that? So death becomes like an escape from that, the transition from that. And then God promises that on the other side of eternity, as we go into that eternity, he even gives us pictures of a new heaven and a new earth of which it'll never fall again. It'll never be corrupted again. And so death isn't this scary, terrible thing that sometimes we've made it on this side of eternity. It's actually part of that cycle that says, okay, it's time to get out of this system and get into now an eternal system that'll never fail again. Are you understand that makes sense? Awesome. But we'll have bodies that he wants us to have, bodies that he fashions for us. Jump down to verse 50. What am I saying, dear brothers and sisters, is this, that our physical bodies, these earthly bodies that we currently have, cannot inherit the kingdom of God. These dying bodies cannot inherit what will last forever. But let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die, but we will all be transformed. It will happen in a moment in the blink of an eye when the last trumpet is blown. For when the trumpet sounds, come on, those who have died will be raised to live forever. And we who are living will also be transformed. Our bodies, our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die again. Amen. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. 
Then when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, these scriptures will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? For the sin, for sin is the sting that results in death and the law gives sin its power. But thank God he gives us victory over sin and over death through our Lord Jesus Christ. So my dear brothers and sisters, be strong, be immovable, work enthusiastically for the Lord. Why? Because of these things he just talked about. You see what I'm saying? Why, why be immovable for God? Because I'm not giving up eternal life for anything. I'm not giving up my faith in Christ. I'm not giving up in the good future he has planned for me. I will be immovable, unshakable, and I will work with excellence because what I do on this side of eternity follows me into eternity. Come on. It matters what I do with my life because there's fruit and treasure that goes on before me into eternity. And so we work with this eternal mindset, eternal perspective. And there's things in this world that the enemy will try to do or the world will try to say, you're missing out on because of your faith in Christ. You're not doing all these things for your flesh like everyone else. You're not doing all these, you know, taking all these possessions for yourself. You're, you're giving away some of your finances. You're, you're giving your tithe. You're giving your offerings. You could be buying this and buying that. But it's because we know this life is not all there is. There's something greater than my little timeline that I get to live and something I get to be a part of. You see what I'm saying? It makes me immovable. It makes me steadfast. It makes me work enthusiastically when I have this eternal purpose in my mind. And then these light and momentary afflictions that we get on this side, it's no big deal. It's, it's just passing of the time. This can't affect my eternity. Amen. It can't affect that because that's rock solid in Jesus Christ. It's not in the hands of man, it was in the hands of the Son of Man. Praise God. And that's permanent, and that's established. Amen. I don't know about you, but I'm already excited. Isn't that awesome? You don't have to be afraid of death. You don't have to be afraid of what's next. It's been prepared by God. And we live with that in mind, eternity stamped in our hearts. 1 Thessalonians, talking about those of us who've lost loved ones and people have gone on before us. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13 through 18. Now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to believers who have died so that you will not grieve like people who have no hope. When I do funerals of people that know Jesus, it's an awesome celebration. There's heritage, there's legacy, and there's this sense of I'll see you soon. When I do funerals of people who've rejected God, who've tried to live for themselves only, who've always said Jesus is nothing to them, that they don't care, they don't believe in eternity, they don't believe in any of that stuff, they just live for themselves, it is the hardest environment you've ever experienced because that is the end in their mind. That's it. That person is gone. Their creativity is gone. Their years are gone. Everything is gone. It ends. But we don't grieve like those who have no hope. Amen? And, and the Bible's trying to give us assurance of what will happen. For since we believe that Jesus died, it says, and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him those believers who have died. Verse 15, we tell you this directly from the Lord. We who are still living when the Lord returns will not meet him ahead of those who've already died, for the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout 
And the voice of the archangel with the trumpet of God will call first the believers who have died will raise from their graves. That's when they get their immortal bodies, will raise from the graves. Then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up into the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And there we will forever be with the Lord. So encourage one another with these words. Look, this is the word of God, man. This is what we believe. Sometimes we don't hear this stuff anymore. This is what we believe. This is what motivates us every day. Jesus is coming again. And he will bring his saints with him. They will get resurrected bodies. Praise God at that time. And the rest of us, if we're still alive, when he remains, we'll get caught up. And we'll meet him in the air. We'll be changed as we go. Hallelujah. We'll get transformed in the, in the catching away. But the idea here is that you do not grieve like those who have no hope. My mom passed away about three or four years ago now. She was getting ready to watch us online. Didn't know that that was going to be her last day. And she told my dad, I'm going to go lay down while we're waiting for Kevin to get ready to preach because we were in Illinois. They, lived in they live in Daytona. And so she was going to go take a quick nap. Well, she waited for her favorite preacher to come on TV. In the Bible, or not the Bible, but what happened was she closed her eyes and she never opened them again on this side of eternity. And then whenever she awoke in eternity, she saw the Lord. And I thought that's probably the best church service she could ever have. Amen? Absolutely. But it was just like that. It was just poof. Just like that. And I miss my mom. I miss her a lot. She was one of the most fun-loving ladies. She was just a wonderful Italian lady that would hug you and pick you up and spin you around. Her, her love language was food. Come on, somebody. Can I get a witness? Again, Lord. But we don't grieve like those who have no hope. When we were opening our sanctuary, we had been a mobile church for a long time. We were in a gymnasium and we built a larger sanctuary to have our church in. We were having our big grand opening of our church service in the big sanctuary. What the congregation didn't know was that Maria was having a miscarriage that weekend. And we were on stage praying and celebrating the beginning of this building. But who would have been our fourth, would have been our fourth, um, had died in the womb. And so Monday morning, they had to go take care of that. But Sunday, we were there in church. And we were doing what we needed to do. But we say often to the kids that we actually have five children. Because though we didn't meet that little baby on this side of eternity, we believe our little boy or girl went right on in. And I believe my mom is probably there hanging out with one of her grandkids that we never got to meet on this side of eternity. I've been at the bedside with multiple people who've delivered babies that only lived a few, few moments. But we don't grieve like those who have no hope. This isn't to make light of those things. You hear what I'm saying? What I'm saying is in the Lord, there's no loss. In the Lord, they keep going. In the Lord, there's more. This is what we fight for. This is why we preach. This is what we're bringing people into. We're not trying to fill a building, everybody. We're trying to fill an eternity. We're trying to fill the kingdom of God. 
Amen. That's why we can celebrate other churches that are growing. We can celebrate missionaries and be a partner with other missionaries that are doing things because it's not about growing something here. It's about growing something there that moth cannot eat, that, that rust cannot corrupt, that the devil cannot steal. Are you understanding this? It's so important that we have eternity in our motivation. Let's talk about assurance. Assurance, assurance, assurance. John chapter 10. Verse 27 28, Jesus speaking. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them. They will follow me. I give them eternal life. And they will never, say never, perish. Isn't that awesome? This is Jesus speaking. You will never perish. He gives you eternal life. John chapter 17, 1 through 3, Jesus looked up into heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son so he can give glory back to you, for you have given him authority over everyone. He gives eternal life to each one you have given him. And in this way, this is the way to have eternal life, to know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to the earth. How do you have eternal life according to this scripture? To know God and to know Jesus Christ who God sent to the earth. 1 John chapter 2, 17, and this world is fading away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever, will live forever. We try so hard to keep this world together and keep it all up, and we should. We should be good stewards of this. But let us not forget that eternity is forever. 1 John chapter 5, 11 through 13. This is what God has testified. He has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. This is what God has testified. He has given eternal life, and this eternal life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. If you have Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, raise your hand right now. You have life. You have life. You don't have to be afraid of death. You do not mourn like those who have no life after this. You have the Son, you have life. That simple. You have the Son, you have life. Doesn't say you have to be all perfect. Doesn't say you haven't, you know, you've got all your sin issues worked out. Doesn't say you've got all your theology worked out. It says you have the Son, you have life. You have the Son, you have life. But here's the opposite. Whoever doesn't have the Son does not have life. It's a simple equation. Whoever does not have the Son does not have life. That's why people, you can't fashion your own way to God. You can't fashion your own way to heaven. You have to go through the door. You have to go through the gate. You have to go through the cross of Christ. You understand what I'm saying? You have to go through Jesus. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. No one can get to God but through him. You cannot make up your own way to heaven. You must receive the Son. Which for some people is hard. Some people would rather rely on their own works and their own goodness and even go back to the law. And it was hard, even in here, it was hard to just receive the sacrifice for your sin, to receive the Messiah, to receive his finished work. But you must have the Son. He who has the Son has life. John 3.16, you know, the great football verse. Never mind. John 3.16, for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but will have eternal life. You know, there's people in this world, you might be one of them, we sit there and we think we're disqualified. We're not, we've sinned so much. 
I don't have the education. I don't have the upbringing. I don't have even this church thing is so foreign to me. And we put all these limits on who God will save and who we won't save and who gets in and who gets out. Look, God loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever, are you a whosoever? If you're a whosoever, receive the son and you too will be saved. That whosoever would believe in him, not believe in their pedigree, not believe in their wealth, not believe in their education, not believe in their good works, but would believe in him, will have eternal life. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 16. Can I keep going? Is that okay? I got a lot more to give you guys. I want to overwhelm you with this. this. I do this on purpose. I know I could preach one verse for like 30 minutes and give you a bunch of my own personal stories, but this is how God directs me to preach to give you more than you can handle so that you know these doctrines to be self-evident. They are everywhere in Scripture. It's not one just little opinion thing twisted out of alignment. This is God's Word to you. He wants you to know you have eternal life. He wants you to know you have the Son. He wants you to have confidence about what's to come. He wants you to live your life with eternity stamped in your hearts. This world is not all there is. He wants you to have focus and confidence. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 16, but God had mercy on me. This is talking about the Apostle Paul. He was writing to Timothy. He said, God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience. <laughs> Basically what he was saying was, I was so bad, God is going to use me as an example to everyone what he can do with such a messed up person. Of his great patience, right? Some of you have kids or grandkids and you can say they, they teach you patience. This is what he was saying. <laughs> That's how tough he was. God can use me as an example of his great patience, even with the worst of sinners, he called himself. With the worst of sinners. Then others will realize that they too can believe in him and receive eternal life. Remember, the Apostle Paul was hunting Christians. The Apostle Paul was killing people who believed in Christ. He was a murderer. Angry. Rebellious against God. And not just, not just personally, but he was aggressively destroying other people's lives. And yet God pursued him. Come on now that he would be able to be forgiven and saved by grace, not of himself. Are you understanding this? And that he could have confidence that God had forgiven him and that he could have eternal life. So Paul was saying, look, if you feel too far gone, if you feel like too much of a sinner, if you feel like you're unworthy, look at my life. I used to do all these terrible things to people and God pursued me and Christ came into my life and now I have the peace of eternal life and you can have that peace too. Mark chapter 10, verse 29 and 30. Yes, Jesus replied, and I assure you that everyone who has given up houses, brothers, sisters, mother, father, children, property for my sake and for the good news will receive now in return a hundred times as many houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and property, along with persecution. And in the world to come, that person will have eternal life. Once again, People who say, look at all I gave up for Christ. God's saying it's nothing compared to what's laid up for you. It's nothing compared to what's ahead of you. Amen. Philippians chapter 1, verse 21 through 25. This is Paul. <laughs> I love this. Paul's in a struggle of whether or not he wants to like go to heaven or if he wants to stay here on the earth. For to me, living means living for Christ. And dying is even better. But if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. So I really don't know which is better. I'm torn between two desires. I long to go to be with Christ, 
which would be far better. Say far better. Far better for me. But for your sakes, it's better that I continue to live. Knowing this, I'm convinced I will remain alive so I can continue to help all of you grow and experience your joy in the faith. I love that. Because this is from a person then who has this revelation of the reality of what's to come. He has a revelation of the reality that this world is temporal. He's excited to be with the Lord. In our world, there's such a fear of death. There's such a fear of eternity. Again, it's like we're motivated. We're running away from dying. And today, I'm trying to break that off of us. I'm not asking any of you to die anytime soon, okay? I just want to clear the air. I'm not preparing you for like this week or anything. What I'm trying to say is this. This, this reality of eternity, this reality of what's in front of us, Paul was like, oh, I long to be with the Lord. And it's far better. What's coming is far better. But he says, I know I need to be here to do work. I need to be here because I'm on assignment. I'm on mission. And so what I see here is death is not defeat in Paul's heart. You see what I'm saying? Sometimes when somebody passes away in the Lord, it's almost like, oh, I'm so sorry. You know, and we're sorry for those that remain. We're sorry because they have to live for the next season without them. But may we not cross over a line where we think that that person dying is defeat. There's no defeat in death. Come on. There's no failure in death. Rather, there is a crown laid up for you. Come on. That's the end of the race, the finish line. You have kept the faith. You have finished your course. And now there is a crown of glory laid up, which you can lay at the feet of Jesus. Isn't that awesome? May we not muddy or blur the line that death somehow is a defeat for the believer. Isn't that powerful? But we're not asking any of you to rush out of here. you got all eternity to be with the Lord. And if you're going to be here, but let me say this, if you're going to be here, don't be here just on retirement. Come on now. I just lost some friends in the room. Listen, more life isn't just more leisure. More life is more mission. More life is more purpose. More life, there's still stuff for you to do. Amen. If you're here, then God's got a reason for you to be here. Come on. An effective service and ministry for you. Whether it's intercessory prayer, whether it's writing um, books or writing tracts or printing things online, whether it's making videos, whether it's your neighbor, whether it's your grandkids or your great-grandkids, live a life of purpose. Amen. Amen. To live is Christ, to die is gain. What will heaven be like? Now, again, I don't have time to get into all the theology of this. But, yes, temporarily we will be with the Lord in heaven. Then there will come the millennial reign. Then there will be a new heaven and a new earth. And all those conversations are great. And you can get into some wonderful classes and learn more about that. But those who are with the Lord now and depending on where we end up in that timeline of the end times, what will heaven be like? Hello. Hello. That was to build anticipation. He's about to tell me what heaven's going to be like. Sorry. We have to come back tomorrow or you have to buy my book or whatever. For 1995, you can know what heaven will be like. 
All right. What will heaven be like? I just want to kind of talk about it for a few moments. Is that okay? What will heaven be like? Well, earth is God's tastes. God made rivers. God made mountains. God made beauty. God made vegetation. The reason I say that is sometimes when we talk about going to eternity, I don't know why we lose our, our, our creativity or imagination. We just think heaven is a bunch of white clouds and gold streets and people wearing togas. It's as if, it's as, as if like style and clothing just kind of like got stuck in the Roman Empire and like God, like who knows what we're going to be wearing in heaven. We could be wearing cool pants and white Nikes. You have no idea. What I'm trying to say is what will heaven be like? I doubt it's going to be less creative than the earth. I doubt it's going to be less beautiful than the earth, less refreshing, less amazing. The same artist created both. You see what I'm saying? So if mountains are God's tastes in the earth, if the artist desires mountains on the earth, don't you think there'd be something like mountains or something like flowers or something like beauty, something like things that we love and appreciate? God made those things because it's part of his creativeness, his creative mind. And the same mind that created the earth is the same mind in God that created heaven. And by the way, in heaven, there's no limitations. So let's say it like this. You can only see three colors because God designed your eye. But that doesn't mean that's all there are. What if there's seven, eight, nine, twelve, a hundred thousand primary colors? And when we get to heaven, you can see the spectrum. Do you see what I'm saying? Because every limitation that you have here on this side of eternity is gone on that side. What about music? Music follows a certain beat and rhythm here on this side of eternity. It's what we can handle in our lifetime. But what if you take all the boundaries off music when you get into heaven? Just let yourself every once in a while imagine a good God who's creator of all, being creative without limitations in heaven, and then let's imagine eternity. Can we not let heaven just be like white clouds and bland, plain nothing? Do you see what I'm saying? I've had friends who've gone to heaven. I don't, I'm going to run out of time here, but I'm going to take it anyway. Look, if you have to leave at 12, God bless you, I understand that. I'm going to go over just a bit. We have a special song that I asked the worship team to sing this into our spirit before we leave, okay? So if you can just stick around for a little bit. But I've had friends that have died and gone to heaven. And they talk about all kinds of stuff that they saw while they were there. You know, things like, like gold, you know, gold nuggets, like the size of your fist just in the waters that they would pick up. You know, talking about things like diamonds just in the grass. Talking about things where you'd walk through the flowers and you never see the back end of the flower but the flower just turns so you always see the front of the flower. Things that we can't conceive. You understand what I'm saying? Like let your mind imagine God not having any limitations, the artist not having any limitations and creating a place for you. Remember what Jesus said? I go to prepare a place for you. I go to prepare a place for you. So anyone who wants to make it sound like, oh, heaven's just going to be some boring place. You have no idea what heaven's going to be like. If there's anything on this earth that's beautiful, that's lovely, that's a good report, that's exciting, heaven's going to be that without limitation. Do not think this earth, trying to hold on to this earth, because this is all there is. This is so great. I don't want to leave. You have no idea. This, look how great there's things in this earth. Is, are, is, are, is, 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 are, are. All the great things that's in this earth now, and it's in a fallen condition. Come on. 
Look at sin has had 6,000 years to run rampant on God's creation, and it still has beauty in it. And it's still lovely. And people are still taking pictures of it, of a fallen world, a fallen image, a fallen creation. Look how amazing. We don't want to let it go. And you want to tell me that going on into God's eternity is going to be less than this? Come on. That's awesome. What will we be like in heaven? So we talked about heaven. What will we be like in heaven? 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 20. Worship team, you can get ready for the last song. 1 Corinthians 15, 20. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first of a great harvest of all who have died. So in the resurrection, Jesus becomes our example of what we will be like in eternity. He is the first of all, a harvest, first of the great harvest of all who have died. So he walks around in his resurrected body, and that gives us a picture of what we will be like in the resurrection. Luke chapter 24, verse 39, Jesus out of nowhere appears to the disciples, right? He walks into a locked room, not using doors or windows. So that tells me I'm gonna get to walk through walls. Come on. I don't know if that excites you, but that excited me. I was like, okay, okay, I see you, Jesus, I got you. But at the same time, he looks at his disciples and he says, behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Remember what I said, that you don't lose who you are? You don't turn into some like energy or matter or void that they could behold him, they could see him. He says, it is I myself, handle me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. So though he could walk through walls, he was solid to their touch. I'm just trying to bring some reality to this. Do you see what I'm saying? Now he was flesh and bone, and theologians say that's the reason Jesus used that phrase is because he had poured out all of his blood on the altar of heaven as a payment for our sins. Isn't that awesome? But what I want you to see here is here he is going in and out of a room without using doors or windows, but then he's still touchable. He's still relatable. He was recognizable. And then I also like the part that a little later he makes dinner and eats food with the apostles on the beach. And for me, that's my scripture that I claim I'm gonna eat when I get to heaven that in his resurrected form, he's making breakfast and he's sitting having a barbecue. Come on, we're gonna have a barbecue. Come on. He was known, but he was recognizable. He was known, he was recognizable, but he was in a greater version of himself. He's in a greater way. Revelation chapter one, verse 17 through 18. Talking about John, the prophet, he says, when I saw him, talking about Jesus, I fell at his feet as if I were dead. But he laid his right hand on me and he said, don't be afraid, I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I died, but look, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and the grave. And so there is no grave that will keep you in the ground, amen? 
Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed by the ministry of Calvary Orlando. We invite you to join us in person at Calvary Orlando for one of our Sunday morning worship experiences each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. To find out more about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryorlando.org. Here you can find our latest events and ministry opportunities. Thanks for listening and God bless.